Hi all and welcome along to a new episode of Flanier on the Streets. This first half of this is going to be a bit of a rant. <clears throat> now, the film community in general is a pretty good community. People support each other and you know everyone seems to get on well together. But sometimes, every now and again, you find something that pops up that just kind of, well, I find really annoying. And... I was chatting with some of the people in the Film Nerds group, which is a, a group that was set up when lockdown first happened and we've sort of kept in touch. It, and it's people, you know, most of us know, or a lot of people know, off of Instagram and places like that. And, you know, every now and again we'll get on and have a little chat about something and a bit of a laugh take the mickey out of each other <clears throat> but um today one of the group posted about price of cameras on a particular online um film camera store and um i went and had a look at it and yes the prices well no in fact the prices are ridiculously high um, we know film prices are going up all the or film camera prices are going up all the time, but these were what I personally think were outrageous. You know, they had something like a an OM10 with a 1.8 50mm lens for close on £300, which I think is ridiculously priced. Um, <clears throat> and you know, I know. For a fact, it, that can be picked up a lot cheaper at somewhere like um, West Yorkshire Cameras, who I've bought, I think, three cameras off of in the last couple of years and never had a problem with them. I think their prices are reasonable. So, you know, that's okay. But I just thought the price of this particular online store was was a little bit ridiculous. And so did the others. But... While I was on there, I was having a search round as well, having a look to see what else, you know, exorbitant prices they were charging. And one thing that I did come across was Kodak Color Plus. <clears throat> now, they had it both in 24 exposures and 36. And the price that they were charging for it was 16.99 which is absolutely ridiculous. Now, I know, you know, um, scarcity in the market pushes prices up, but that's just taking the mickey. And, um, yeah, so that's what I really want to talk about on this first part of this podcast today, that how and why people will be charging that price and how they're actually getting away with it. But But it's not only that, you know, more seasoned people like us or you know i say us me um you know know that these prices are, are ridiculous and it, it, it's not it wasn't just that it was also that they had one of these um reusable you know um cameras you know the the, the ones that we've seen that have been coming out quite recently from different companies they had one of them on there for 70 quid 
I mean, that is an absolute joke to, to 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 be pushing that for that price. You know, and normally they're going for, I don't know, 30, 35, I think, um, and possibly even with a roll of film thrown in. And, um, yeah, I, I was just absolutely annoyed about it, to be perfectly honest. It, it It's really annoyed me. But, but the main reason that it's annoyed me, not because, you know, charge what you like, that, you know, that's fair. If I see it, I'm just going to walk away. I mean, I I, I got an email t- to uh, tonight or sometime today from AG Photolab <clears throat> saying they had new stock of the new Fuji Film C200, which is supposedly the stuff that Kodak's making. And I've gone there to, you know, see maybe might buy a roll just to try it out. And they had it on there for, I think it was. Five seventy, no, no, yeah, five seventy, five ninety, something like that. Which you know is reasonably priced. They were out of stock. They 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 sold out all their stock um, during the day. I've only, like I say, I only just picked up the email late tonight. Um, but also while I was on there, had a quick look, see what else they had on there, and they had Color Plus on there, and they had the. 36 exposures on there for £4.50. So, you know, we're talking about a markup of what? 200% on on the other place. So, and like I say, you know, for seasoned film photographers, you know, we'd look at that, laugh and walk away. But, But my gripe is with it is that people that are coming into photography and, you know, may not know a great deal about it will see these and think, oh, that's the price for it. And they'll either be put off by it or they'll buy it and not understand that they're getting ripped off. Now, I don't know the um, audience that I have. I mean, when I say I don't know the audience I have, I I I do know some of the people that listen and I know how many people listen and, and stuff like that, but I, I couldn't tell you whether they were, you know, what, what we what we can class as seasoned film photographers or newbies. I I really don't know. You know, maybe it's a mix of both. But if you are a newbie and you're listening to this, don't pay them sort prices for 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 film. There's plenty of places where you can go and you'll get a reasonable amount of film for a reasonable price, not a rip-off price like that. You've only got to look at places like Analog Wonderland, who, you know, I've been buying my film virtually from when they started. I remember hearing Paul on, I think it was a Sunny 16, just before they launched their um, company, and I've always, I've always bought film from them. Not necessarily always bought all my film from them, but I do, you know, use them quite a lot. Majority, I'd say, ninety percent of my film comes from Analog Wonderland, and I think their prices are, are fair. I think they're, they're, you know, they're a good company to deal with. Uh, if you've got any queries with them. You can fire them off an email, and they usually get back to you within an hour or so. You know, um, if you, you know, asking them when they might be getting some film stocks in that that, that you might be after. 
So, yeah, there's places like that. Like I say, there's places like um, West Yorkshire Camera, which I've, like I say, bought three cameras off them. And I wouldn't have bought the cameras off them if I thought they were, they were mega expensive. Um, you know, I bought a um, Canon SureShot A1 waterproof camera, and I paid £99 for that. And I've got to be honest, I think that's a reasonable price for, for that camera. Um, I was quite happy to pay it, so yeah, I, yeah. I bought it. I just recently bought my Yashica um, Mat One Two Four G off of them, and yes, it was expensive, but it's you know it's a good camera, and yeah, I, I'm really really happy with it. But this place that's selling these cameras and films for these prices it's just ridiculous and like i say if you if you're someone new starting out you know really really do shop around really do spend the time to, to look and to, and don't go to these sort of places because they are really ripping you off and, and it's an absolute joke that they can actually get away with that you know like i say 70 quid for a a, a rebranded disposable, well not disposable, but reusable camera. That's just ridiculous. You, you can pick them up from, you know, most places. I think, I think Ilford's one is 35 quid. You know, buy one of them. D don't go to these places. And it's it's really annoyed me and frustrated me that I've, I've seen that today because, like I say, I, I think there are going to be people coming into the film in you know and and film community and and seeing these prices and thinking oh you know what's all the fuss of, you know what why are people making this fuss about f film photography when the prices are are absolutely sky high i mean it's bad enough that you know the prices are going up but but to be ripped off like that because that's all i think it is it is an absolute rip off is is just outrageous um and I'm I'm trying to record this fully, you know, no, no stops and no gaps, so I might be slightly fumbling about a bit to try and get my words out to uh, go along with this. But yeah, like I say, and you know, if you are interested in in doing film photography, look look for people on Instagram. You know, the the, the there are a lot of people out there that that are very very helpful that you know like i say this is a really good community and you know there's maybe a handful of people that that are basically arseholes but you just ignore them you know and think you, you you'll work down you'll work your way down and 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 see the people that that are worthwhile you know even sort of on youtube you know you you look for people like Matt Day and um, Jess Hobbs, people like that, you know. And you know, if you want to know something, I'm sure if you reach out to them, they, you know, they'd be quite helpful. And you know, no one's going to tell you what you should be doing, but but they will tell you, or they'll give you an idea. You know, I've had people ask me about particular cameras, and I give them my opinion of it. I don't expect them to take it. They've asked for my opinion. I've given my opinion. They could turn around saying, "Well, I don't, I don't agree with that." That's fine. But I've given you my opinion in the, the you know, in the truest form that I can, and that's that. You know, uh, do with it what you want. 
but like I say, there's a lot of good people out there to interact with and find things like this, find things you know like this out, and just use these people. They're, you know, they're not going to bite you, um, and don't get ripped off because, like I say, it's it, it's just disgusting that people can get away with doing this. Anyway, that's my little rant for this particular episode. Well, not this episode, but this part of the part of the episode. And um, yeah, like I say, look out for you know Facebook groups. People like you know negative positive um, podcast group. That's a really big community. I think there's oh, well over a couple, maybe three thousand people in there. And if you join that and go in there and ask people. You will get lots of different opinions, but but everyone will be you know more or less straight with you, and you know from that you you can then work work something decent out you know work out what what you want to do or you know it will give you ways of deciding what the best way to go is. And like I say, this is more for people that are new to the film photography, not us old hands kind of thing, you know. Um, yeah, so if you're new, shop around, get advice from people who have got a good idea of what they're talking about, and don't pay silly money for cameras or, you know, 17 quid for a roll of Colour Plus mm. because you are being ripped off. So, what have I been up to? recently well i've been doing some i've been doing much photography as such but i have been doing some cyanotypes which i saw um neil piper had posted some on twitter or maybe a couple of weeks ago and i thought to myself i really need to give that a go um so i got in touch with neil and asked him a few questions and i ended up buying the chemicals for it and a large pad of watercolour paper and over the last couple of weekends when the weather's been reasonable I've been making some cyanotypes and you know they've been turning out quite reasonable actually I'm quite impressed with how good they are but also the problem is because of it I've kind of fallen down a bit of a rabbit hole because this alternative process, as it's called, um, I kind of found loads of other ones as well. There's like Van Dyke Brown and um, I think Salt Prints, that's another one. And then there's um, one that, that that really did take my um, interest was um, Bichrome, Gum Bichrome Prints, which is you make using gum arabic and um i think yeah it needs silver nitrate and stuff like that i haven't fully um looked into it but you can do different coats of different paint you mix it you can mix different colors in with the gum arabic and you can put layers on it and when you wash it off it leaves certain um tones in there so it, it's unlike a cyanotype where it's just the, the blue it it's um it's doing stuff like that so yeah i've kind of been playing around with stuff like that and 
getting more involved in in that kind of stuff and they, yeah it, it, it's quite interesting it's you know there hasn't the weather's not been that great for actually getting out and doing any real shooting so um yeah it just means giving you a bit of um play indoors and although because obviously with cyanotype you need um ultraviolet light so you need you do need sunshine for it to process the chemicals and get the image up on the paper so yeah it's been overcast and cold so yeah having to leave it out for a, a couple of hours or so but yeah it's been interesting and i did i did go out last weekend to shoot with the uh, yashika and i bought some of this new shanghai gp3 220 roll film which I put in it's a 100 ISO and I did put that in to the camera loaded it up went out and uh, where I live I live close to Greenwich Park so I thought well I'll go up there and take some shots up there I made way up there um, see a nice picture that bought a nice image that I thought would make a nice picture took the first shot <clears throat> went to wind on, film wouldn't wind on. I'm like, ah, what's gone wrong here? Anyway, that's, that couldn't really do much because couldn't work out what the hell was going on. Um, but I could just feel it was jammed. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to force the lever in case I snapped something and that. And I know I, I'd um, put the roll in correctly. I'd say it wasn't my fault, <laughs> which we all say. But um, yeah, so had to come back home, came back home, got the camera in the dark bag, flipped the back, and as soon as I flipped the back, I felt the tension come off the um, lever. I thought, that's weird. Anyway, when I put my hand into the camera, I could feel on the actual film where the... Because uh, uh, I don't... Well, I guess people do know, but... 220 film is exactly the same as 120 roll film. The only difference is it doesn't have a backing paper, but it has a paper leader, or so I'm informed, on the lead and on the tail, so that it covers the film. But the rest of it is actually just film, no no backing paper across the film. Well, so what had happened was where the um, paper leader joined the film, there seemed to be quite a raised edge and I think it either got caught on the plate on the back of the camera to you know to keep the film flat against the um, film plane or it just got caught on the roller as it was rolling up into the uh, take-up roller either way it was something it was quite a pronounced piece of paper and I just think that it just got caught and maybe if I had to force the um, wind on a bit harder, it might have actually pulled it through. But like I say, I didn't want to do that in case it broke something. But uh, yeah, so that was a wasted day out, really. Well, not a day out, but a few hours out. Um, but solved the problem. So I'm um, hoping to get out now next weekend and, and shoot that roll and see what happens. But yeah, other than that, that's really all that's been going on. Um, in the Flanure, 
um, household at the moment. Nothing else really going on, so I think this is just going to be a short one. I really only wanted to come on for that first part and uh, just get that out of my mind today and just, you know, like I say, put it out to people not in the know. And, yeah, like I say, getting back to that first subject, reach out to people. You know, that everyone is, is really friendly in the community and helpful. Uh, like I say, uh, you know, I mean, I've I've kind of given up on, on... I know I'm rambling now, but I've kind of given up on uh, Instagram. I've just got so fed up with it that it, it, it's, it's like adverts constantly and now this new thing where they're um pushing suggestions for you and half the suggestions and you know are not even relevant for anything that i do so i i like i say I, I really moved away from there over the last i don't know maybe six months or so i, I hardly ever post on there now um and like i say i've moved i've moved over more to twitter and I find the Twitter community is quite quite big and quite strong over there. And, you know, the, there's some good things going on. I mean, through through the month of February, um, there's one chap that's running a... And it, it's in conjunction with Ilford as well. He's running a thing called um, Film February, where each day you get asked a question about your film habits and uh you know and you see what people are posting uh like today i think today was day eight and it was just you know what are your um tips and tricks for i think home developing so you know it's stuff like that and you, you know you, you get to learn a few more bits on that and then i think it um well, no, i think i know every thursday um alex lokes has his uh photo chat where he puts out five questions and you know you answer them um and you see other people answering them and you know it's quite good I quite, i'm quite enjoying being over it on twitter at the moment i mean it was something i was on back in the day but not not for film um stuff but then like with most things you kind of think oh yeah that, that, that that's dying and you you move off and find find something else um but yeah, like I say, I've moved back to it and I'm finding Twitter to be a much better place to be than Instagram at present. So, yeah. Anyway, like I say, that, that that's all the kind of stuff I've wanted to come on and just put out there for today's episode. Um, I think the smaller, shorter episodes work a little bit better than the longer ones. I, I keep thinking about having some more guests on um it's just finding people that one are willing to come on and two that you know are or are possibly interesting enough to have a chat with or you know i know reasonably well to be able to put possibly an hour long uh interview together with them but i'm still looking into that and yeah Anyway, I hope you've kind of enjoyed this episode with the rant and whatnot. But that's what I'm up to anyway. So thanks for listening to my ramblings in this particular episode. And just keep your eyes open out there and 
enjoy your film photography and bye for now. In 2014, a hiker hiking in the Nevada desert came across a mysterious bunker out near Nellis Air Force Base. When approaching the entrance, he felt a strange humming coming up through the ground and the closer he got, the more the humming caused his body to vibrate. Suddenly, he got very scared and hightailed it out of there. When he got back to civilization, he posted his account onto a Reddit hiking group. Unbeknownst to him, his comment would set in motion a series of events that would lead to one of Nevada's most puzzling urban legends. Several users encouraged him to seek out the bunker again and this time enter it and find out what this strange discovery was. A few days later, he set out with a video camera to film whatever it was within this bunker. On his return, people were dismayed to hear that you could not find the bunker again, and his video didn't seem to reveal anything about the mysterious bunker. Ridiculed and encouraged by some of the comments, he set out for a third and unfortunately last time. He was never heard of again. In the months and years that followed, search parties went looking for the hiker and his mysterious bunker, but all to no avail. That is until recently, to hikers are claiming they have found the bunker and been inside. For now the Daily Grain are keeping their identities confidential but here is their story. We were hiking off of one of the many hidden trails when in the distance we saw a strange shape partly buried in the sand, and joked that maybe we'd found the mysterious bunker, not really taking it seriously. As we got to around 500 yards from it we started to feel a humming coming up through the ground. The closer we got, the more intense it became. So much so that we could feel it in our bones and felt like our teeth fillings would be shaken out. We now knew that we'd found the bunker and had to press on. The last few yards were excruciatingly painful and we almost gave up, but as we reached the entrance it all suddenly stopped. Shining torches down through the entrance, we could see a steep pathway leading down into the ground. There was still the humming but with only a low intensity. After a short break we started down the path not knowing where it would lead. After around 20 minutes of walking which we estimated to be about one half mile, we could make out a faint green glow in the distance. We ran the last 100 yards, needing to know what we had stumbled upon. Shining our torches into the area, we were amazed to see the light shining back off of what looked like 50 feet refrigerators. They seemed to stretch as far as the eye could see. Thinking they were possibly cryogenic freezing units, we attempted to open one. There were no locks but the doors were extremely heavy. As we pulled the doors slowly open and we were bathed in an intense white light, which momentarily blinded us. As our sights started to come back the first thing we saw was something green and purple with the words PRO for 100H. We'd found the legendary Fuji film Deep Freeze. 